Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Okay, I am here today with Sue Roebuck and we met through the Cancun Expats Facebook group and I am excited to interview her about her overseas life redesign which actually as an American she said um, lived in the um, Virgin Islands for a while, which is sort of the United States, but it's just a territory. So I'll have you talk about that a little bit, but thank you so much for taking the time um, to chat with me today, Sue. I really appreciate it. Great. Awesome. So um, why don't I like to just kind of start with a little bit of background about you and kind of how that first adventure took place, how that all came about. The first adventure, I guess it was when I was two years old and they couldn't find me and I was about six blocks away from the house. So I've had itchy feet since I was little and uh, yet felt like I should do the um, school and, you know, grow up and get a good job, etc. But every time I had a chance, I, uh, I quit uh, my job as a federal regulatory savings and loan examiner back in the eighties and took off and went to New Zealand for seven months and lived down there and was able to sail with somebody, um, and, uh, get to see most of both islands. It was an amazing time and stayed with some friends in Rotorua that were just lovely, worked on a sheep station in the South Island for, uh, over a month before I had to leave cause I'd finally worn out my visa and uh, headed back to the States, worked for about um, three or four months, I guess it was, in the Bay Area, where I had been living for about 10 years, and uh, got itchy feet again, ended up um, going back down to the Virgin Islands to sail with someone. That didn't work out, and I stayed, and uh, ended up living there. So a lot of what's happened for me is just falling into the right situation. And um, the Virgin Islands being a territory um, is in some ways very different from being in the U.S. and yet it's got a little bit of U.S. flavor um, as well. A lot of great people, a lot of wonderful culture. The, the It's as as is most of the Caribbean, it's got a lot of the sugarcane uh, growing uh, culture of of the slavery times and that kind of thing. Um, and, and it was wonderful. It was a lot more expensive than living in Mexico, that's for sure. I've heard that. Um, how long did, did you live there? Uh, it was almost 10 years. I okay. went and um, did this sailing with someone and uh and that didn't work out so i started working in the marina initially and 
uh, met someone and we took over a bunch of boats and started our own uh, sailboat charter company, which was called Latitude 18 Charters. And after a couple of years, I got tired of sitting in the office while everybody else got to go sailing. So um, I had my captain's license uh, for, for the Caribbean and I did some captain and some cooking on various boats. And uh, it was, it was a, a wonderful trip being from the U.S. versions all the way through the British versions and kind of a hangout in the West End of, or the East End of so um, I sold my interest in the charter company and uh, started captaining and cooking on various charter boats. And um, I worked at Coral World, which was a, a, a marine um, aquarium there in St. Thomas. And then I moved over to St. John and worked at Keneal Bay after going to massage school, which was a Rockefeller Resort initially. So I sort of reinvent myself and I kid around about being on a 10 year plan, but that's what I've done. I pretty much, it's been 10, 12 years. I keep changing what I'm doing. And uh, I ended up going back to New Mexico and um, living in Santa Fe for, it was close to 30 years, I guess, 25, 30 years altogether. And uh, it's a beautiful place. And in some levels, it's like living outside of a lot of what America is like, because it's got such uh, history steeped in the, uh, the, the Mexican-American experience. And uh, I guess how I ended up here in Mexico about two years ago, I met my partner and um, he said he'd been living down here for about 10 years. I came down for Christmas last year and then I came down. Uh, we traveled through Canada where he's from last summer for about two months. And then I came down in November and now we're in COVID and um, I'm living here with, very little clothing, which I don't need much of because we're not wearing much at home. And uh, I guess if you have any questions. <laughs> no, that sounds great. So a couple of things um, I wanted to ask you about is your um, experience in the Virgin Islands. Um, you started talking about how it's similar to the U.S., but but different. Can you talk a little bit more about that um, in case there's somebody that says, you know, gosh, I'd like to move out of the continental United States. I'm not sure if I'm ready to live overseas. Maybe that's a good interim step, although you did say it's it's kind of expensive. So you want to just talk about that a little bit? I think part of it is uh, because West Indian culture is different than uh, in terms of what a lot of North Americans see as black culture, maybe. And it is their islands. And so um, carnival will go on all night long. And you don't say, shut up, you're making too much noise. You know, um, in some ways, they're much more lascivious than in, in the way they move. In, in general, and yet they're very put your clothes on kind of thing. It's just kind of interesting how uh, it, they don't like it when tourists say get off the cruise ships with just a bathing suit on and wander around the street. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I get that. So I, uh, my first husband was a doctor and he did a uh, rotation during medical school in Black River, Jamaica. And I was, I spent a fair amount of time down there too. And what we noticed was there was this interesting um, confluence between Catholicism which had come in and sort of the, the missionary um, effect um, with sort of a traditional native culture that was very, um, uh, very spiritual, but, but like, for example, they would never be caught out in the rain without an umbrella. It was bad luck to have rain fall on their head. So there was a lot of superstition involved and, and we found that as well. There was, um, there was a, the clinic that he was at, there was a lot of venereal disease, (laughs) but yet there was this sense of prim and proper. So I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. similar to, to what, what I found. Yeah. Um, You would walk in and say, good morning, Miss June. How are you? Not, Hey, what's up? And you would always say good morning to people in uh, in passing or in going into a shop where I find Americans don't do that. I've found that in France, you know, bonjour madame, you know, you speak to the person you're that's helping you in that shop. And um, the same thing with the West Indian culture there. And it's different in different islands. I found uh, you know, going to Nevis or some of the other islands will have slightly different um, right now. In, in the case of Jamaica, obviously that was British, settled by the Brits. So you had right. that sort of prim and proper British um, uh, culture in the. And the U.S. Virgin Islands were originally Danish. Okay, so we bought them from Denmark, and then of course you got the British Virgin Islands, which are basically three miles away in a couple of places. Yeah. Um, can you good, go, can you travel back and forth easily or is there, um, you have to clear customs and that's the way that the BVI has made a lot of their money is by customs. Um, you know, by you go into the customer office, you pay a certain amount to take your boat. If you say, if you rent a boat in the U S virgins, you have to, uh, pay the customs fees for going into the BVI and uh, okay. And they're really being hit because tourism is a really big part of what they do. Sure. Yeah. When we chartered, um, when we got married, we chartered, we rented a boat in BVI and just stayed in BVI. So I wasn't sure. So is it the reverse as well? If you charter in the BVI, can you go to the U S easily or clear customs? Same thing. Okay. Like if I, um, if I left Red Hook and went in the BVI, we would clear at West End Tortola or we would clear customs at Joseph Van Dyke and go for our week. Or um, I worked on Pirate's Penny, which was a day sail, or it was a power boat actually, that we would go all the way up to Virgin Gorda, and, um, which is on the far east end. And we would take them around in, in the baths and various places there, go back to Cooper Island, have a lunch, and then turn around and come back. And then we'd have to clear in St. John when we came back into the U.S. 
So, you know, it's just a, a matter of, of doing that. Now they're pretty much closed down. If you're not a belonger, what they call a belonger in the BVI, nobody's going there. I've been seeing various things lately and nobody's traveling. Hmm. So I, I miss a lot about that culture. And yet I'm, I've been here mostly since November and um, with one trip out and back uh, in the of February. And um, I'm learning a lot about the culture here and the differences and the neighborhood we live in has a lot of Cubans coming and going here. They can't get product in Cuba, so they come here and they'll spend a few days here and all this um, area, it's around like Yachilan and, and Ushmal, they have little Cuban stores uh, that cater to them and linens and hair dye and clothing and tennis shoes and things like that that they can't get in Cuba. They'll come over and they'll just learn huge bags of things and then they go back so it's like a different culture here as well you know interesting so um have you you haven't been to cuba have you no no yeah yeah it doesn't look like we're getting too far we have all these plans i have a friend who is a weaver in uh teotitlan del valle in oaxaca and she used to stay with me when she would come to weave the Zapotec rugs in Santa Fe. And I've not seen or been in touch with her for years. And I was, I want to go there, you know, and we can't go anywhere right now. So I know. Talk about itchy feet. I, I you know, we, we of course are, you know, on a rock here that's five miles long. So we're coming to Cancun tomorrow. So uh, that'll be exciting. <laughs> It is interesting for me to um, think in terms of the finances here and um, what I might deem expensive and what I might deem inexpensive and um, the things I would love to get because New Mexico is so unusual. It's got its own food. You know, green chili, red chili is very different from what we get here for Mexican food. Um, Some of the things that I'm used to cooking with pot-wise and that kind of thing that I can't find or spices that I'm still learning where to find certain things and and, uh, revising how I live my life. And just pleasant, just staying pleasant with people. Yes, it goes a long way. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, one of the things I like to make my own jerk, I, I have a Cajun jerk shrimp recipe that I like, and I'm out of allspice, and I couldn't find it on the island. I've got to see if I can find it in Cancun. But I thought, well, for heaven's sakes, I don't even know if that's what they call it, you know? So I was at the grocery store, and it's actually called um, pe- uh, pe- Pepito de Jamaica <laughs> is what they call it. Wow. So I don't know. Well, I'll have to see if I can, I can find it in uh, one of the stores in Cancun, but, uh, but anyway, so, um, so let's go back a little bit farther. So I, I didn't really, I made a mistake um, in, before we started that I thought you were Canadian cause Arnie's Canadian. And um, you said, no, you were actually from LA. Right. I was born in Seattle and grew up in East LA. Okay. Um, and um, lived there until my, 
20s and then transferred from my job up to the Bay Area. Okay. And lived in the Bay Area until I got tired of sitting in an office and went on the, the uh, trip to uh, New Zealand. Okay. And I went down there to go sailing with somebody and, uh, as I say, fell in love with sailing and out of love with him. <laughs> that happens. So, right. and you said you were involved in the banking industry? I was a federal savings and loan examiner for the Federal Home Loan Bank Board, which was the regulatory agency for savings and loans. Okay. So it did include some traveling around, you know, by car mostly. I'd leave and go off, go off to, say, Reno for, um, for a week and work uh, examining the bank for regulatory compliance or the savings and loan, and then come back on Fridays. And um, we had Arizona as well. Um, what else? Um, and then I got involved in the training programs for new examiners. Uh, and so I was working with the training office out of D.C., and I would go back there once in a while, or I would help set up. So it was like um, setting up a conference for okay. a month. And uh, it was, that was pretty amazing. That kind of got, because we were in Florida once in a while. We were in Southern California. Um, we did two or three, interestingly, back in the late 70s, Aspen and Snowmass weren't as popular or I mean they were fancy but they weren't as fancy as they are now sure. and so in off season they um, which would be August they would have these really low rental rates and they were sort of central to the country so people sure. from the west coast could fly into Denver and then fly on to Aspen and so we took over a couple of condo um areas in uh, Snowmass at the time and did the conferences there, which was an amazing experience. Um, I've been there in the summertime. It's really a, a really pretty, pretty part of the country. Um, and now it's very, very popular. At the time, the only things that were happening that didn't seem to draw that many people were um, the Aspen Ballet had their training programs for kids Mm -hmm. in the summer. And then um, Aspen Institute, which was kind of a think tank, had programs there as well. So that was kind of neat. We'd go to Florida in October. So it was kind of that time between the really hot, hot summer and the winter group. And then somebody in DC decided that if they heard that we were going to these resort areas, um, you know, people would get upset. What was interesting is that for per diem in those areas, we were paying at the time $25 per person per day. And you could put three people in a condo, three bedroom condo, they could cook their meals right. out once in a while. If we went to DC, they were paying something like, 50 to 75 dollars per person per day plus they had to have food expense because right. these are so expensive so they were we were ended up 
paying so much more to try and be in D.C. <laughs> Not funny. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castillito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results From buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM. Raising the Bar in Vacation Property Management. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. Well, so I, what I want to ask you about is, um, I don't know you real well, but we've, you know, had conversations quite frequently on the Cancun Expats, uh, our little virtual happy hour. And um, you seem like a really outgoing, fun type of person. And if I had to pick um, what your professional background was, that would probably be like the last thing that I would consider picking for you. Not because you're not smart, but I just have a hard time seeing you um, satisfied in that, that role. And obviously you went on to do other things. So tell me a little bit about, about how that, uh, career choice ended up, um, happening. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Um, I didn't want to go to high, uh, go to college out of high school. And, um, uh, I ended up going to beauty school of all things. Okay. So I uh, was a hairdresser for a period of time and then life got in the way and I, I lived in, would you believe, Bakersfield, California for oh. about three months and realized that was not going to work. No. And so um, I came back to LA and went looking for a job. And interestingly, the two places that were the first day wanted to hire me, one was a stockbroker and the other one was the Federal Home Loan Bank Board. And the stockbroker, I thought, well, that sounds really interesting. I have no clue what that's about. But the guy was doing a couple of things with the employment agency that were shady. And I decided if he's doing that to them what would he do me to me ah. as an employee 
So I didn't go that route. Smart. I went with the bank board as uh, an office worker initially. And over the period of time I was there, I went to college, got my accounting background, Ah, um, you know, became the examiner and started doing these other things. I was booking for my bosses. I was booking all of their flights. So I really have a background. My friends tend to come to me if they need to look up how to get a flight. And that <laughs> um, so that was that piece of my life. And then I, like I said, about the 10 year plan. So when I came back from uh, New Zealand, cause I quit that job to go to New Zealand on this trip. Okay. When I came back after the nine months, I um, was looking for jobs and I knew I didn't want to go back into corporate America. I absolutely knew it. Okay. Um, not knowing why at the time, but I, um, interestingly, a friend owned a Jack in the Box restaurant, you know, and he said, all my kids have gone back to school. I said, yeah, I'll help you out. So I'd go in and cook breakfast in the morning. And then another friend needed somebody in her mortgage office. So I'd cook breakfast at Jack in the Box in the morning. And then at noon, I would go and change into my suit and go to the mortgage office. So it was kind of interesting. Wow. Then I, how did that happen? Then I went sailing to Mexico from San Francisco. I sailed to Mexico and got as part, uh, as far as Puerto Vallarta. Um, He got off the boat and went back East where he lived and I stayed on the boat. And then when he came to shut the boat down, a hurricane had hit. And so I left the boat, came north, worked on another boat on the East Coast. And then a friend um, said he was going to the Virgin Islands to sail and he needed somebody to go with him. So I ended up down there. So it's kind of things have just happened in my life. And people have said, well, have you had any kids? It's like, I knew there was something I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what, what's um, interesting, I find interesting about that is you, you just seem to find opportunities, right? I mean, you know, you, you like the, the bank, that totally explains the bank thing. Cause I, I couldn't see you seeking that out, but it was what was available at the time. And then you took advantage of that entry level position and ended up having a pretty amazing career that you obviously could have gone much further with had you wanted to, but right. Obviously, that wasn't wasn't your choice. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's that uh, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this next. Is you know, there's a lot of people right now with COVID that are really like, you know, they're either deer in the headlights, like I can't believe this is happening, or they're maybe they're um, kind of secretly relieved, like oh, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. But now what? I mean, there's probably a, a huge gamut of um, different reactions that are happening. But I think the the common denominator is change is going to happen, whether you right. do or not. And so I've always said, you know, we can't control what happens to us. All we can do is control our reaction to it. So. Exactly. So, so let's, let's run with that a little bit. Give me your kind of your thoughts on that, that topic. Uh, it's, it's interesting because one of the last things I did last year before we went to Canada was I was um, managing a house 
a gorgeous house in Santa Fe for a man who had been in PR, worked with Apple a lot, and is a Zen priest. And so being there and being in the moment is part of the whole Zen practice. And, um, and I think that that's part of, for me, what COVID has, has helped with, um, is just taking, getting up in the day. Do I need to just sit here? This morning, Arnie got out of bed. We went for a little half-hour walk around the neighborhoods. It, it's taking each day at a time instead of saying, I have to do something. Because we don't know. I mean, he and I had planned to go to Louisiana for a, a bicycle. Uh, it's called Cycle Zydeco. And that was canceled and brought to October 1st weekend. And now we don't even know if it's going. They say it is, but Louisiana has one of the highest rates of infection right now. Um, the other piece for me was finding for myself what more I'm good at. I am not a, I'm not a visual learner. I'm a kinesthetic learner. There's about 5% of people that are kinesthetic learner in, in our American culture. And it makes it very different how I perceive different kinds of work. So I ended up for the last 25, 30 years being a body worker, looking into holistic health, working in that area. Um, Arnie and I met at a Feldenkrais conference because we're both movement educators in that modality as well as some other things he does. And, um, and so, you know, I can't do that down here. I don't have residency at this point. And interestingly, um, make sure you know where you need to go because I went to the consulate in Albuquerque and I said, what do I need to do to start the process? He says, oh, you have to do that in Mexico. That's what I was told. So I needed to have more information before I even walked in that door. So right now, I'm just taking each day working with my health. I'm 73 years old. So um, I feel a lot younger on some areas. On other days, I get up and it's like, I don't want to go anywhere. So taking care of my health is a big one right now. Does that help answer what you're talking about? <laughs> no, I, no, it, do, it does. Um, y- y- you know, what you're really saying is, you know, you, you need to know yourself, right? And what, what resonates with your, um, your preferences, your way of learning, your way of dealing with change. And, um, you know, and a lot of people haven't slowed down long enough, right, prior to COVID, that they really had to think about these things and it can be daunting, right? I I've, I've said in, in my programs, the hardest labor we can engage in is thinking sometimes. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where there's a lot of um, frustration in some of these things that unfortunately we see on Facebook is that people don't know how to just take it inside and be gentle with themselves, let alone be gentle with others. If we can't be gentle and know where we are, how can we do that with others? Yeah, I I would say so. And also just, you know, this, the facade or the, the fallacy that 
uh, we are in control when we are not right. There are only certain things that we can control. Um, but, but none of us can. And our perception is a big one because my view has always been, I've tried to explain this to some people. There's a six sided box and you're looking at one side and you say it's a black box. And I'm saying, no, it's actually yellow. And the guy over here is saying, no, it's, it's actually white. And so we're looking at different sides of the box. And if we can look at the, that box, and I think it was Matthew Fox said, we're all on the same journey up the path. Can we not just share our lunches? Something like that. Yeah. And, and um, that's my hope. Yeah. You know? Me too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, so, so I know we, we don't know how any, how long any of this is going to last, but have you, you kind of given some thought to your next adventure and, um, things you might like to try on? Um, well, I know I have, I need to go back to New Mexico. Everything that I own is in storage in, in Santa Fe. And so it's, it's getting rid of what I don't need, seeing what I can bring here without a lot of expense. You know, that's, it's like, why bring a bunch of stuff that I can buy for half the price, right? So, and I'm sure you've probably talked about that kind of cost of bringing, let alone, as opposed to leave it all and just buy it. Yeah. Um, we uh, we had a couple of trips. We had talked about maybe going to Japan. We had talked about um, just the trip over to Oaxaca or or um, back down. We have friends that have land outside Valladolid, which you might find interesting to talk to them at some point. Um, and uh, they uh, we can't get there from here, <laughs> so. So we haven't really set up a specific. Now, I think that we've decided that even if Cycle Zydeco were to go on in New Orleans or it's Lafayette, Louisiana, that we probably won't go because of our age range and the fact that people are just packed in these facilities. Yeah. You know? May just be too risky. Yeah. Yeah. So a specific adventure, no, but I'm sure, you know, I've, we both have a list and, Arnie's got a thing on the side of just things. We haven't even gone to restaurants here in town. He says, oh, let's go here. We're two blocks from Habichuela. I've never been there. <laughs> We're around the corner from La Perilla. Um, so learning more Spanish would be a, is on my list. I'm learning a little at a time. Um, I get uh, written wonderful um, emails and whatsapps from the philharmonic and from the university here with lots of different things available and so i'll translate i'll try and translate it to see if i can read it and then i'll put it in the translator and see what it says that way i'm learning more of the language that i'm living in that's a great idea uh to be able to do that yeah. So really, you uh, you just came to Cancun in November, and then this happened in March. So you hardly even got a chance to really um, explore the area too much uh, before we all got locked down, huh? Well, it was it was actually um, before. I guess January and February were a little iffy too. Mm -hmm. 
And then I went back. I had to go uh, to Santa Fe about the 20th of February. And I am still employed by Four Seasons Resorts. But I had one shift there while I was there in February. And I was going to try and take a couple other ships. And um, they said, we're closing down. We have to close down. Mm. And it was like, okay, I'm calling and getting my flight back to Mexico then. You know, it's closing down. So they are partially opened, but not where I can go back. And um, that's, that's, I guess, one of my things. Am I going to continue being on their on-call list or am I going to just let that go as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Decisions. You know? yeah. yeah. Decisions that are very difficult to make under the current circumstances as, as well. I think some people... Um, they try and structure everything that they're going to do. And I think what I'm seeing you do is helping people see what do you need to think about? Mm -hmm. And then there's that piece that I look at, sit back for a while and let it all come together and see where it goes. Yeah. Just sit for a while, right? Just sit. It was interesting. Yeah, I, I had a, a call, a coaching call earlier today, and one of the participants said, oh, I, I had, you know, I have everything planned out, and I had my plan, and, you know, she's in the tourism industry, and, you know, I, this was supposed to launch in April, and, you know, and, and of course, everything changed, and so that's, that's part of it is just being able to say, hey, this is not in your control, and that's okay. Like, it, okay, that that was your plan. And now you have a different one. You have yeah. to make a different one and being able to kind of let go of the, you know, anger, frustration, the, the emotional attachment that we have to this plan that kind of went poof. Um, and that's, that's probably the hardest part, right? Is yeah. just stepping into the uncertainty and embracing the unknown. And yet there are certain things like um, then on the other side, she said, you know, well, I was, I had this website that I was going to create and I, it just says under construction. And now I'm thinking I need to work on this. And it's like, yeah, there are things now that's within your control, right? So you take that, that plan that you couldn't execute and you go, well, what else is there? You know, and that's what really allowed me to move forward with this project that that I have now with with the uh, free workshops and the um, the Dream Life Academy, because this is something that I have had a uh, desire to do for a couple of years. But you know, we had the vacation villa and the property management company, and you know, I was doing the podcast every week um, up until uh, the end of the year, and and I just I flat out didn't have the time. And so that's part of, of what I've, uh, my message has been, hey, look at this as a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Look at this time as a gift. Like you say, the, the Zen piece of it and just say, okay, just listen to, to the inner knowing and, and that's okay. You don't, you don't have to have it all figured out. Some uh, people that I've known for about 30 years, 25 years now um, that I studied neurolinguistic programming with had worked also with a wonderful teacher um, who talks about percept languaging and it's staying in the eye 
you know. And one of the things they talk about is those little micro minutes of, ah, oh, listen to the birds or listen to the, the uh, leaves, the wind going through the leaves, or in your case, maybe all of a sudden you hear an extra large wave hit the beach or something. And there's that moment that I can stop myself and just be with that moment instead of worrying about what's going on in the next five years, you know, it's. Or being distracted by something completely uh, out of your presence and, and unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. That's appreciate nature. Well, beautiful. That's a, that's a great, uh, great thought to, uh, to kind of close with. Just uh, one last question. Is there anything I didn't ask you that, that you want to share or we pretty much covered it all or? Other than that, I'm missing the beach and I did get to go sw- swim with the whale sharks last week, which was amazing. That's right. You did say that. Yeah. And little plug for the whale sharks, man, that is an experience of a lifetime, isn't it? You, yeah. want, to talk, you want to talk about that, that experience for a moment? Um, well, it's, it's a small boat. There were 10 of us and luckily it's all people that are kind of in our little expat group that spend time together and, um, and it, the same time we all wore our masks out and um, got in the water and, and they took us, the, the guide took two people at a time and we swam right along with them. You're not supposed to touch them. A couple of people cheated, but um, we, you swam until it took off somewhere else. And they're just, um, people said, Oh, I would never swim with sharks, but these guys are vegetarians. They, well, they're not vegetarian, but they, eat these micro mini little creatures. And uh, there were uh, manta rays out there as well. So we saw manta rays and got to go in twice. And there was a chance to go in a third time. And I was tired by that time because they're, they're moving. They're about 10 feet, 14 feet long, something like that. But to be that close to this beautiful creature that's so different looking, I'd have people look them up the whale sharks look look them up on the uh, internet absolutely yeah we went two years ago and uh i made a little a funny little like a movie trailer movie with the footage so i'm sure it's going to come up on my facebook profile here um as an anniversary item so i'll definitely share that silly little movie that we but uh, and it was also interesting to pull back in and anchor so we could have our lunch out there by north beach and not one person on the beach yeah. Because you're not allowed to be on the beaches of Mexico right now. Right. I know. Actually, I told my husband this weekend, uh, we need to fire up the inflatable and uh, take a putt over to the North Beach swim line and just jump in the water. <laughs> Pack a cooler. You can't go on the beach, but you can go swimming yes. off, off the you can uh, swim offshore. offshore. Well, the interesting thing, the Virgin Islands did that. They they closed all their beaches and they had quite an uproar. I mean, you have to think of a mountainous island as opposed to this flat, large uh, city. And what they did was after a month or two, they reopened the beaches to walking and swimming. You cannot take any gear and sit on a beach. 
you can go and you can walk the beach or you can go and swim and leave. And I think that would make such a difference here if they would allow that kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah, just, that would be fine. We go out with the whale sharks and then we get to get in the water. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is definitely an experience of a lifetime. We always tell our guests too that that you have the opportunity to do that. Definitely. So, well, awesome. Well, this has been a fabulous uh, conversation with you, Sue. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll get to meet in person one day real soon. <laughs> yeah, well, let us know if you're around our area. That, okay, that we'll do. Walk out and wave from the six foot length. <laughs> Correct. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.